Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Brand new show here on the Man on the Post Network, Champ Man on the Post. My name's Dave Black and you might know me as CM9798 on Twitter. I've been part of the Man on the Post Network for a couple of years now and uh, Ross and I have been always talking about doing a, a podcast based purely around Championship Manager. Obviously I've spent a lot of time blogging about the game, talking about the game. So it makes sense really to combine the two things together and podcast about the game now going forward. What I'll entail is hopefully over the next uh, couple of months there'll be regular episodes where we talk about the game itself, how it's evolved over time, uh, but also to the community, various people who are still play in the game. Um, obviously the game itself has been going for a number of years now um, and although it's Football Manager in today's name, we still love it for the old games and the old memories it's given us. So along the way we've got some special guests lined up. Uh, we've got famous faces playing the game or fairly famous faces playing the game shall we say um, and and really we're just going to celebrate uh, Championship Manager as a as a game and what it's brought to all our lives so what better way to start than this week uh, we've got two very special guests uh, Ross and I have been for a chat with Paul and Oliver Collier uh, if you don't know who Paul and Oliver are uh, they um, started Sports Interactive they are the, the founding fathers of Championship Manager so Without further delay, um, let's hand over to me and Ross, uh, and let's see what Paul and Oliver have got to say. Hello then, and welcome along to episode one of Champ Man on the Post. Um, my name's Dave Black, I'm joined by Ross. Hello. And today we've got two very special guests, as we are joined by the founding fathers of Championship Manager, Paul and Ov Collier. Gentlemen, how are you? Very well, thank you. Dave. Yeah, nice good. Good, thanks, yeah. Yeah, thank you both so much for uh, giving up your time to, to chat to two Champman nerds here. But uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll try not to take too much of your time. But um, today we really we just want to get a, a deep dive into the series. Uh, say this podcast is going to be celebrating the series and, and all the the joy it's brought us over the years. Um, am I right in saying you're both still involved in uh, in, in football manager today? Uh, yes, absolutely. We're both uh, part of the team still. Yeah, yes, the match team. Oh, good. Uh, so. Yeah. How, how has your role moved on from uh, from the early days to, to now? Well, I suppose uh, it's Paul here. Um, I suppose I suppose that the the beauty of being the founding fathers, as you call it, is that we get to choose our roles. <laughs> nice. Um, <clears throat> so Oliver's uh, Oliver would say he's in a, a research and development R and D type role, and I'm I'm running the match engine. Ah, right. So is, mm-hmm. it your, is it your fault that I can't score one on one? I was about to say something. <laughs> Don't even go there. This, this is the part where I can I can sit back and fold my arms and, <laughs> and listen to my brother taking all the abuse for 
whatever the latest. Uh, not problem. quite sure. I let yes. Miles take the abuse, but uh, <laughs> then I get I get a kind of uh, slightly toned down version of that. It's all it's all very unfair because it's completely my fault. Obviously. Yeah, he redirects the abuse to you. <laughs> there are buffers in place. <laughs> so. I should say, both myself and Ross still play the game as it is today, but we, uh, yeah. certainly me in particular, I've spent a lot of time playing back old versions, blogging about old versions, yeah. so we, we'll start with that and work our way back through, if you don't mind. Um, so let's take us back to the very early days. Um, when was it that sort of Championship Manager became more than just a hobby? When did, was it you thought that this is actually something we can, we can really run with? Mm. Of. Well, that would have been... Um... We, we both sort of had failed attempts at university degrees and I think um, we had this thing going on in the background with the game and it was always done for just fun. We, we probably spent five years or so developing it. Um, but a combination of sort of being <laughs> university dropouts and, you know, thinking what are we going to do now and having this here and, and I think it was it was just worth a try, you know. We, we thought, can we get this published? Is You know, is, is there a market for this? And so the first one... <laughs> Would have, I guess we would have first started talking to publishers in around 1991, 1991-1991-1991-1991-1991-1991-1991-1991-1991-1991-1991-1991-1991-1991-1991-1991-1991-1991-1991-1991-1991-1991-1991-1991-1991-1991-1991-1991-1991-1991-1991-1991-1991-1
Um, I think they left us to it mostly. I mean, there was that they did initially very early on. They wanted to put some graphics in. We got this, this sort right. of expression in our heads. We <laughs> bolt some graphics onto it. It was like um, that was coming from somebody who obviously wasn't really into the game itself. Somebody just working for the publisher. And yeah. Probably the way he saw it was, how are we going to sell this? You know, this game doesn't have any graphics as such. It just has <laughs> lots of writing and numbers. And, yeah. Um, how, how the hell are we going to market it? And of course, if you weren't somebody playing the game or understanding football or passionate about it, then I could see that point of view. So we did have to sort of fend off a few early attempts to bolt, bolt some graphics on. And um, I guess we were quite strong-willed about that. There was that that would have diluted it down at that point so, so much. It would yeah. have been something very different, I think, if we'd have had to put in some sort of I don't know what the graphics levels were like back in 1992. We're talking maybe Football Manager level. Back, you know, the old football manager level, I don't know. Um, it would have been, for the sake of it, it would be something we, yeah, we wouldn't, it would have been something that would have drawn, you know, taken away from the game, I think, at that point. Mm. To, to that, was that a thing that continued throughout the 90s? Because as you say, in 92, like, the graphics weren't, you know, we didn't have anywhere near the, the powerful consoles we have today, but as the 90s went on, obviously the rise of the SNES and that kind of thing. Um, and the, obviously the PlayStation in the mid-90s, where people then start to say, well, you know, you need some graphics on here to compete, mm-hmm. or does people kind of leave you to it, given you had a successful model? Well, I think to, from a match engine point of view, you couldn't really have bolted on graphics anyway then, and without it being really awful, because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, you know, the simulation needs to step through the actual kicks and tackles and whatever in order to, to for graphics to actually reflect what's happening. I think it would have been yeah. incredibly repetitive yeah. and... Well, rubbish, basically. <laughs> yeah. I think it would have killed fact, me. The match engine wasn't actually simulating you know, individual player movements, was it? It was more sort of areas of the pitch. It would sort of approximate. Um, it was a very different engine, very simplified. Um, you, couldn't, you didn't have the processing power to simulate 22 players running around paths, crossing mm. passes, tackles, headers, all the rest of it. We, you just couldn't do it, um, at least not in a not in a way that we could then simulate that same process for all the, you know, as, as we call it, AI versus AI matches, which is obviously something we never wanted to not do. Yeah. Uh, this is going to sound quite pretentious, but, but we, we, we felt at the time that the imagination was a more powerful tool than the, the horror of a bolted-on graphics <laughs> engine. That's spot on. That really is. That's true. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. But I think that also... That ties into the, that era when it was all about listening to football on the radio, wasn't yeah. it? I mean, yes. we didn't half the amount of coverage we had then. I mean, I guess we're talking when the Premier League first started to become popular in 1992, I think, was when the, the maybe the Sky deal was first done or something. So we kind of started the whole process. But back then, I guess you had, you know, maybe one live match a week, um, if you're lucky, and it was a big occasion. Um, but the rest of the time, most most likely, you would listen to, if you didn't go to the match, you'd listen to your team on the radio so I think our game kind of fitted in with that mentality it was it was very influenced by that I'd say wouldn't it Paul? Yeah absolutely uh, you know has anyone has anyone actually tried to listen to football on the radio recently? Yeah I have to do it a lot because I, I work nights so I have to listen okay. to my Leeds games on the radio and it's okay, fine. you can still kind of paint the picture in your mind but it, obviously you've been kind of brainwashed by that much TV games now. Yeah I was going to say is it weird? I've done it for a few years. Yeah, it is a bit weird, yeah. But at least no Don Goodman on the radio. So, yeah. Swings <laughs> around about. <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you find that every goal you hear on the radio, you imagine in your mind and you watch it back and it's absolutely nothing like yeah. you, you picture? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I used to love listening on the radio, but um, as you say, over time, obviously, there's more games available now. Um, 
when Newcastle were in the championship, a lot of our games were on the radio, and it was mm. it was nice for a change. But you kind of you kind of miss being able to see it, don't you? But mm. uh, um, so go back to game launch in 1992. Was it was it always going to be championship manager, or was it, was it the name kind of mm. opening up? Oh, there's the subject. <laughs> yeah, um, well, we developed we developed it as a game called Champions, and then when we started adding European competition, we called it. European champions. That's <laughs> the name we had when we took it to be published. Now, of course, as every publisher um, would do in that situation, they thought, right, okay, what can we do here? Let's um, let's 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 choose our own name so that it becomes ours. <laughs> um, and I think Championship Manager was um, was obviously what they came up with. Um, we obviously didn't take a lawyer with us to this meeting. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, the first game was was it, am I right in saying it was for the Atari first and patched to DOS later on, or was it um, was it always like a, a dual console idea? Hmm. I think uh, it was. I think, I think the original the original contract was to do it for both, but I think that the Atari might come first. That makes sense. Yeah, I think, I think we we developed did we develop it on ST at that time? And then we did, and someone else ported it. Yeah. Because they paid us less for the also, uh, DOS one, didn't they? Yeah, we also wrote it in a different language, didn't we? We wrote it in a kind of uh, a compiled basic <laughs> language because um, yeah. we, you know, we didn't know what we were doing. We were just making it up as we went along. So we, that, that was how we programmed it. It's a it's basic, it's GFA basic. If I remember, it's like a German right. um, software company had written this version of basic, which which could be compiled into a standalone XE, which was kind of a cool thing back then because normally when you're writing basic, you have to supply the basic interpreter which then you have to have running at the same time. So this was like turning it into proper compiled language. So it's quite, it's probably quite a breakthrough thing at the time. But of course it was limited in that um, it was still not the most efficient way of, of um, running an executable. So the first thing Domart did was hire a chap to um, wade through our spaghetti code <laughs> and turn it into code written in the C was the way to do it back then. Wow, and that that actually was um, a very impressive feat by him. I have to say that was um, yeah. um, amazing, amazing. But it also helped us um, actually taught us how to program in C because we could see our own code <laughs> that had been written in Basic by us <laughs> side by side with the C code. It was magnificent. Um, except um, because it was written from a different language, it wasn't the most efficient way you would have written it if you were going to write it. In Start. So probably we learnt a lot of bad habits in that as well. Still, as a you know, as a, as a first uh, first real crack at it, it must have been uh, quite rewarding to see it go from, as you say, something you, you were doing kind of in your spare time to to seeing it, you know, on shelves. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. I still remember seeing a, a screenshot in a, a magazine. I think maybe something like ST format, Amiga format, or something. I don't know, one of those magazines, and seeing like a literally a postage stamp size screenshot of this is coming soon and seeing that in print was like <laughs> i think probably back then and not many days have been better than that one for me <laughs> wow what was the um how, how did you research the players and the fellows very early games because obviously now there's probably a, a huge team that does this but i'm assuming it's just kind of you guys yeah we didn't the first one didn't have real players did it not right yeah it was, um, it was fake for the first yeah first yeah place. Yeah. Um, yeah so that, that was just yeah. put the team team information in, wasn't it? But I guess once we started uh, the next year's version, I think um, 
it was a case of going through the Rothmans books. And, <laughs> nice. You know, that was the only source back then. You didn't, you didn't have the internet as such. Um, so it was a case of getting the, the yearbooks and... Um, was it tricky? Was probably it... came later, but... Was it tricky to get the licenses for these players? Was it not kind of a, a huge uh, thing back in the day? Um, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't something that anyone considered. It was just we just used the data in the books. All right. Um, and thought that was fine. Nobody questioned it. It wasn't. Uh, it was the whole. You know, it wasn't an industry that back then. The whole, both the football industry was much smaller, and, and mm. the games industry was much smaller. So it wasn't ever something anybody considered. Don't work included. I mean, it's still still an issue today, isn't it? So obviously, we've seen certain clubs have now uh, got their own license. I suppose back then it was probably less of a less of a thing, as you say. But uh, it, it's it's funny how it's still still an issue in today's publishing, mm-hmm. really. Yeah, I mean, it's completely different now. You you couldn't just you couldn't do what what we were doing back then. It's, it's now it's um, like you say, it's you've got to just be so careful. The teams of lawyers are scrutinising absolutely everything because you've just got to be so careful. Yeah, it must be a it must be a minefield, I think. Um, so after the second after the first game, the second game, nineteen ninety three comes the actual license with the real players. Um, did that change anything, or were people still, you know, the game was the game and the players were just a bonus? So was that like a real real boost? I think it was a massive turning point in some ways because, of course, we start. That's when the sort of the legends of champ man and football manager started being built up, didn't they? You know, the mm. the, um, the what's his name, Danny Murphy, the, all the crew players, you know. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I think that 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 added an extra element to it because people could start to relate to almost like like stories, like legends, if you like, or you know, urban myths. I think it was a big turning point. I don't know what difference it made in terms of sales at the time but yeah it was a big thing it was a, it was a very big moment I think so, so on that note whenever I go out into conversation about this game on, on Twitter or what have you um, people always mention two fake players who ended up in, in this version of the game I think it was on an update disc um, I think they were at Cambridge um, I've written down Collis and Orozco but I, I don't know if that's right or not um, do you have any idea how they slipped in or was that just a, a mischievous developer um of? Do you do you know anything about this? Uh, I can't say I do, but I mean, I suppose there's a chance somebody could have either made a genuine mistake and put. I don't know how you would make up a player, I suppose. But um, how did we even not, get not, data? No, no idea. Yeah, it wasn't something we did on purpose, that's for sure. I mean, but didn't we just the, literally the... go through the Rothmans book of and type in yeah. players in yeah. squads ourselves? Yeah. But, uh, our friend Dan Handy helped us as well, so we went through and. Typed it all in and basically used our own knowledge of, um, you know, I think we, we must have thought we were like the oracle of football back then. <laughs> we, we rated all, all the players at all levels, and you know, we must have really fancied our chances. But I guess, I guess, um, in a way, that was, you know, we were never going to get the the ratings for passing, tackling, shoot, everything absolutely right for all the players we'd never seen. But you could at least make sure the teams themselves were roughly the right strength, and you could look at see who's a top goal scorer. I think we, I think I, I vaguely remember now. Now talking about it, I can remember we would look at things like career histories because yeah. you could see how many goals they scored in past years, where they've been on loan to, stuff like that. So you could sort of, you know, make a reasonable guess as to how good they were. And you know, if you're talking a striker, he's been prolific. Then I guess you put his shooting and or whatever quite high I mean but it was literally that, that's the level we went to we, had, we didn't know these players um, 
So, it, yeah, so what I'm trying to say is we made it all up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this was also the version of the game where you uh, you had the first double in a foreign league, if you like, uh, with Sam Italia. Uh, was that just on the back of you know the success of Italian ninety and obviously Channel Four had uh, Italian football? Was that just sort of riding the wave of that, or was this was a another influence on that? Uh, pretty much, yeah. It was like Italian football around then was was something that was you know becoming quite popular here, wasn't it? As you say, Channel Four had started showing it with their um, that excellent coverage. They they did a sort of quirky sort of coverage, wasn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. With James Richardson, and I think that was uh, our first. The first league we felt we could do, and that that might be might be successful. So I don't think Denmark were too too convinced about it, but in the end they 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 went with it, and um, yeah, we you know we sold a few copies of that. It was it was um, it was good. I think that probably was the trigger then that they thought, oh, actually maybe we can do some other leagues. And I think that's because we'd done the Italian one as a separate standalone product. Um, I think that's probably where the idea that Denmark came. Hang on a minute, why don't we do this for the Belgian, the Holland, the Spanish, the mm. French, etc. And, and at that point, we're thinking, well, actually, maybe, maybe it's better to just do it all as one. But um, you know, it could it could have been it'd be very different if we if we'd have gone along with the, the separate versions. I think. Well, it's funny funny you mention that because that ties us nicely into the move to Champ Manager Two. Um, so this is. So it's all the version I'm most familiar with is where I joined the series. Uh, for those who aren't familiar, it's the sort of the eight square boxes in the in the middle of the screen um, with the change in backgrounds. Um, but this is also the first time you had uh, two leagues on one disc. So you had the Scottish league uh, added in as an option alongside the English league. You couldn't run them together, but they were they were on the same same CD. Um, and as you say, you then went on to have. I think it was from memory. I think it was two different CDs, and each one had three foreign leagues on. Again, you could only run one at a time. Um, so if you want, I, I can't remember the exact combination of what they were. Mm. Um, so is this all pushed from by Dormo on the back of CM Italia? Um, this is CM2, right? Yes. Um, it's yeah. all very hazy, but um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think at that, I think at that point CM CM1 um, had done pretty well. So I think they were. Really up for CM2. I think I think the the first time we'd released um, real data in CM1, it had it had sort of taken it to a next level, back in in sales terms relative to what the the one with fictional players had done. So, I think CM2 was quite anticipated by them. Um, so, I think they were they were up for you know doing all the leagues. I think they they just saw this as something. I mean, that could do. I, th- I think we basically proved ourselves, or the game had proved itself to be popular, and it didn't need those graphics sporting on, etc. So I think they were kind of listening to what we wanted to do. And CM2 was probably the most fun one to write, I guess. It was, it, it was because we were able to rewrite it from scratch, um, because it was small enough you could do that. If you tried to do that now, for example, with FM, then you'd just probably spend ten years <laughs> doing it, and you wouldn't release the game in the meantime. It's just not—it's not practical. There, there came a point, I think, our, our probably CM3. We shouldn't have done that, um, and we did, but slightly better code than CM2, but not, not that much better. Um, so yeah, Denmark were, were, were you know up for it and motivated, and um, yeah, to be fair, they they let us get on with it. And all of this kind of um, culminated in. in... Chapman 9798, which, as I said earlier, kind of my my baby now, <laughs> which um, I've spent so much time on. But what this allowed was it was the first time you could have multiple leagues running in uh, in one save. Uh, I think it was it was up to three out of the nine available. Um, and this was the first version that included an editor. Was there um, was there a reason for that, or was it just 
just demand for people wanting to edit the data? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I can't remember the editor being there, to be honest. Was it, was it not like somebody wrote an editor that was no. available for it or something? Or, or no, it, it was... Oh, it looked like the game. It looked like the game. It was uh, no, it was a, it was on it was on the CD. Um, it looked like the game, yeah. It had the same. Style. Yeah, oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I think we used it ourselves, deal. and we just decided to add to. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? Well, you would have written. We're too old. We've forgotten, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> you would have written. It. <laughs> I certainly didn't write it. Uh, it was a massive deal. Yeah. Okay. When, when someone realised how how this. Well, thing na- was. 97, 98 was the the, the most. Pop- version I guess um, at that point it was it, it was what happens when you're able to spend the time playing and polishing and playing and polishing it was in a way it was like the old the sort of old days before we got published when we would just play the game with our friends and then make a list of things wrong with it and then go and fix them and then carry on playing or restart whatever it was like sort of but no no major features so I think 9798 was the, what happens when you was, was was an illustration of what happens when you really really focus on just polish, and I think we sort of corrected all of the, all the flaws, just made sure everything was as accurate. As well, I think that's probably why it was so popular and and, and still is for, for many people. Yeah, I think that's the same with uh, Chapman 0102, which is kind yes. of the last of the CM3 series before it went to you know 2D pitch land and all kind of stuff. Yes, um, those, two, think it, those two are the house yeah. days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. coding. They are the, if, if you look at it, they were the sort of they were the end, the sort of last updates, weren't they? Was yes. Did we do one after that? I can't remember. It was certainly no, one of the later ones. Yeah, after that it was obviously. It wasn't the first iteration. <laughs> that makes that makes sense. Yeah, so I think I think once you, once you do sort of one or two updates to the game, and if you're not sort of adding major features, then I guess you've got the benefit of all the feedback from everyone who's played it, and um, the game, of course, is small enough then that you can really tweak. Yeah, and make adjustments um, easily. So, I guess both those versions. Yeah, they're probably the most polished ones um, we did back then. I, I know some of them, the later FM ones, have been pretty good, but the, those two in in the sort of the pre-FM era, they were certainly the polished ones. They're the most they're the most fun to play. You can tell that you've, you've the, the most polished, and like I said, they they endure today as well. Yeah, I think they they hit the sweet spot of simplicity. Mm. Um, but also having a, a, a sort of more a sophisticated enough game world. I think yeah. they kind of hit the balance. I think a lot of people like it because I think that the game has become so much more in-depth and complicated and um, over the years uh, as the technology has been available to make it more complicated and people have wanted it more complicated as well. But I guess there's some people who like the sort of the level of those, those games. Hmm. Absolutely. Um... Couple of questions, which you might not remember if this was a thing or not. Um, so, in Chapman Two, was the first time you could cheat and add in the national team's manager as your name, and that would become. So, if you put in Terry Van Wals or Glenn Hoddle, you'd be the England manager. Was that a purposeful thing, or did, was that just a, a loophole someone exploited? Um, that was left in. I think we would have done that. We did that consciously. I think it was just a little um, little Easter egg, as they became known, wasn't it? Um, I think it's just something we, yeah, we definitely wanted it for development. We obviously needed a quick way of being the national manager. We thought, you know, just why not leave it in? I, I don't, I don't remember. Again, it's going back a long time. Yeah. Age here, but it's <laughs> just something. All these questions. Like, Hang on a minute. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. Um, but I think it was most likely um, something. I don't remember it being 
like a oh my god we've left that in kind of scenario i think <laughs> it was something we we just left it for people to discover yeah. because otherwise you know people would maybe never have the chance to be anything them Oh, it's, it's exactly right. I mean, as, a, as an eight-year-old, I wasn't that good, but uh, I was able to manage England, so that was all that mattered. <laughs> Can I, I can't remember. <clears throat> were you able to pick the squad? Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you were, yeah. Yeah, but it was definitely a feature then, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a very useful feature. Thanks for putting that in. <laughs> you guys know more about our old games than we do. It's embarrassing as well. Yeah, but you, you've built more games than we have, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, Last question on, on, on Shopman 2, and again, appreciate it was quite a while ago, so you might not remember, but um, 9798 was, as far as I know, the only game you could play without having to have the CD in, so once it was installed, you know, it could be installed on every every kid in the class's yeah. computer, which it pretty much was. Yeah. Um, was that a, a purposeful decision? Or I want their that... names and numbers. Was that on purpose? I mean, It rings a bell, it, it but I think... Been, yeah. It I rings think... a bell. I mean, we must have. Domart must have had a view on this. Um, yeah, maybe they, they didn't know. Just decided it wasn't. Yeah. I think we were at the, we were at the <laughs> point in time yeah, where they really didn't have a clue what was going on generally, <laughs> and you could probably have made a change like that at our end, and no one would know. You know. Um, I, mean, I, I did some some googling, and there's a theory that because Chapman Three was going to be, you know, the, the next big thing, that they thought they could drum up an interest in the series by giving away the, the sort of the last game for, for nothing if you like for some people I think um, so I think because it was the final update I think they probably didn't they probably did exactly that they probably didn't think it was worth it I think it worked I say, genius we went, really we strength to strength after that so. yeah, yeah. I'll ne- I'll, we'll never know whether it was accidental or intentional <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, thank you regardless let's give them the credit let's say, let's say it was intentional yeah, I mean, if, if Dormark or Idos, you know, contact me and say you owe us a lot of money, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll put them in your direction. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so after that, we went on to Championship Manager 3, um, which kind of has a similar layout to the game we have today in that there's a side menu uh, for the first time, uh, the introduction of, a, of an inbox of sorts, um, kind of big change from, from the previous two games. Um, how much of a can't think of better words. How much of a ball it was that to uh, to make a big uh, a big design change like that? Yeah. Well, Chapman Three was the first time we used proper programmers. Um, right. On. So basically, Oliver and I were still self-taught. Um, we brought in some coders um, for CM3. Is that right? Of oh, it was CM3, wasn't it? Yeah, of course it was. Yeah. And it would have been. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, we started sharing the load, so we were able to um, the whole thing. I mean, it's CM3. CM, it's funny because we obviously rewrote CM3, didn't we? Rewrote CM4 as well, didn't we? I think the mistake was rewriting both, but the CM3 change with the coders was really important. I think it was because it was it was impossible. It, I think 97, 98 would have would it, we'd taken the kind of two-person thing as far as we could take it. I think mm. in terms of being able to release something on, on a seasonal basis. So um, yeah, CM3 was a, was a big deal because we moved into proper offices and all sorts, and we had other people there. Nice. I mean, it was tremendously exciting as a fan to see you know, all these things you kind of wanted to happen, like even daft things like giving players squad numbers of their own. Yeah. Uh, you know, all this kind of thing that took it from kind of a fun management sim to more or less the real deal. All right, still on computer form, but you know, it was it was giant strides forward. Mm. Um, as well, I think this must been you must be able to have as many leagues as you wanted running by this point of the ones available, um, which was a problem for me because my computer was terrible. I was still. I was still <laughs> Still on my first computer then, I think. So um, this is actually the, the game I've played the least. Um, 
until recently I never actually owned CM3, but I, I bought it off eBay because I felt left out. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, a, that, that was a, it's a big it's a big change. The the menu system was a big change, um, but but kind of had to be done because I think there's only so far we could have gone with the sort of CM2 big cuddly boxes on the screen, click on one, get some more big cuddly boxes on the screen, go back. <laughs> I think you couldn't really do that when the game becomes a certain level of sophistication. So I think we had to do something like the menu bar. And of course, you know, initially people didn't like it, but sometimes you have to make changes and stick with it if you believe it. You know, sometimes you make changes and they're the wrong ones, of course. And then then it's a case of how long do, does it take for you to realize. But I think in that case, it was um, we had to change the interface to be something more powerful. Yeah, I say there's still elements of it that are still in today's game. Uh, for, for me, anyway, with the, with the side menu bar, um, yeah. I, I don't think you could go away from that now. I think people, it's, it's the quickest way to get around the, the game anyway. Um, as I said earlier, many people think oh, 1 or 2 is the greatest of, of the series. Um, and this is also kind of because of the amount of, uh, as you mentioned, the like legend players that were, that were around this, this, this era. Um, do you ever have any, any contact with any of them? Do they ever, you know, send you th- thank you in the note <laughs> in the post? Uh, I think Miles is on top of all that sort of thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, obviously uh, there was a lot. There was a few players who, who obviously never really made it in life, did they? In the way that they did. But whether or not some some of this was covered in the documentary, I think wasn't it? Was there? Did we track somebody down or something? I seem to remember Paul. Yeah, I think so. Um, was it um, the guy from Millwall or Charlton? Yeah, it was Cherno Samba. Cherno Samba. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who you know, he's on the like one end of the scale that he loves it. He loves talking about it. He you know, mm. he only didn't make it because of his own mistakes, and he's quite upfront about it. Um, but there are, there are some who have taken it less well. Um, <laughs> I'm guessing. You know, you don't get Christmas cards from them so much. But... <laughs> Perhaps they blame us. Perhaps we, we were in their careers buying yeah. Christmas cards from anyone. Nothing to do with what happened on the pitch. No, exactly. I think uh, if, if they didn't make it, it's because of their ability rather than what a, what a video game thought they might have been. Uh, I think the, you know, the sensible ones have realised that. You could have destroyed their destroyed their confidence so much maybe I don't know maybe that could have been the reason <laughs> so they, they thought they were, they were sort of on the, a little bit fragile perhaps and then they saw their stats and there's just no recovering <laughs> so, so by this point in the series what was the uh, the research team like? Yeah well when we had our friend Mark join us join the team uh, the team join the two of us in um, the CM2 didn't we of uh, Woodge but yeah. then um, then that he, he would have been heading up the CM3 thing with a lot more did, did, you know that, did you know that Woodge had put himself in 9798 in various different nationality disguises? I uh, no, I didn't actually. So, like, there's a Woodski, there's a Woodjev from Bulgaria. Is um, there? Yeah. I, 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 did you know this off? <laughs> no, I didn't know this actually. That's nice. Or if That's I did so know it, I forgot it. <laughs> I, 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 tagged yeah. I tagged him on Twitter the other day, but I don't use it very much, so... <laughs> I oh, that was just lying low, but either way, um, oh. yeah, it just it amuses when I saw like this Woodski on the bench for Daniel Kiev, and I thought that's odd, that's an odd that's name. And then I, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I cut across you there. So, it's, so w- w- yeah, Woodski's job was um, t- he he left his regular job and, and joined joined the team to um, head up our uh, research, which back then um, involved uh, sending off um, like physical letters to fanzines around the country. Oh wow. And with a right. with a sort of form, uh, a sort of grid to mm. to fill in, 
with like pluses and double pluses. We didn't want to sort of bog people down too much with numbers. So we said if this is his strength plus, if it's his super strength plus plus, and then the minus and minus minus, and then leave anything blank where it's not. Really good. Um, and the idea was that rather than have numbers and then everyone sort of over overrates their players or whatever, we, we could sort of then sort of decide roughly what the level of that team is and then the pluses would sort of be roughly kind of an offset of that ability around and what you'd expect a player at that club to be like. So it was a little bit bland, but it was um, it kind of worked. But um, yeah. we had no idea if any of these fanzines people were going to reply or whether they'd be interested or not. Um, but it was amazing response. You know, we had people filling them in, sending them back and thoroughly excited to be involved. And of course they got credit and maybe... Um, some 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 of them later on would get a copy of the game or something, but certainly it was um, they were happy to be involved, and it was like a a really interesting project because it wasn't you know it wasn't an internet, internet thing at all. It was literally a case of getting these back in the post yeah. and being very excited when you had a bunch of mail. <laughs> it like it was like Christmas or something. It was, you know, so you'd, you'd open them all up and you think, oh, who's this? And it's like, oh wow, yeah, we got this one back, and it's like you know some second division team or whatever, and the, the guys sort of filled it in written a letter or whatever and then and then Woods would then have to type that all into a an access database and turn it into sort of data or I think we'd run all sorts of processing on it to sort of turn it into something we can use in the game wow it's amazing really going back I, I tried to track some of them down because in the there's a credit section which gives you all the researchers but every single one of them said the same thing is that they didn't really remember much about it so <laughs> well, it, it was going to be a great blog post but it, it just got scrapped in the end but uh <laughs> It's amazing how many people yeah, involved. I was like, what, what, what are you talking? <laughs> yeah, well, it was just certain mysteries that I wanted, uh, that I wanted to, uh, wanted to solve, like how I came, which was so good, that kind of thing. But uh, nothing doing. So you can just sort of imagine <laughs> somebody in their in their fifties or whatever gets gets this sort of email. It's like, what, what the hell is this going on? Like, you know, say, wife sort of looking over shoulder. So contacting you. What were you doing? You don't know how right you are, because the Cambridge um, research was a lady who I, I just tracked her down on Twitter and said, "We do you mind answer some questions?" She's like, "No, I don't think I will." I was like, oh, that's probably fair. <laughs> <laughs> Cambridge and uh, Cambridge well, and not... as well. <laughs> yeah, I know it's Andrea something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We'll not give yeah. her last name because GDPR is mad these days. So yeah. we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll not get the podcast taken off. But uh, yeah, we, we tracked her down, but she 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 wouldn't answer my questions. So. We'll never know why Tom Youngs is a world beater. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did get, yeah, we got some very, some of the, occasionally we would get a sheet back that was uh, slightly optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on that note, something that always gets levelled at you guys is that Everton was souped up because the, they, were so <laughs> they were so good on the out-the-box version. And I think they got patched and they pretty much got relegated every year. Um, was that just a myth? <laughs> Yeah, well, it wasn't. It wasn't um, deliberately. We've we've had this this question asked of us many times over the years, and and <laughs> honestly, we never consciously overrated Everton. It, it would yeah. not be something we would do with any team, and, and we wouldn't underrate Liverpool. The temptation might be there. But, uh, <laughs> so it was. If if they were overrated, and if it was, if we had any involvement in that data, then it would be purely subconscious. It would be maybe you know. Fans sometimes are like this about their own team. They sort of feel they're a little bit better than they are in reality. But it wasn't like, oh, now we got a chance to make Everton really good and win the league. And you know, what's the, what's the point? We're trying to make a simulation. Yeah. So, mm. but uh, you know, obviously, a lot of, enough people have asked us this that it, we must have got it wrong in some way. So, whether, what the reason for that is, I'm not too sure. I don't know if it was when we did the data. Maybe, maybe I did Duncan Ferguson or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> I just out of fear, you'd give him twenty for Everton. The win, the win. <laughs> of course, absolutely. So, when, when Bakayoko turned up at Everton during yeah. the 1978, you must have been 
run around the house. <laughs> <laughs> he, was he did score a goal at some point for Everton. I think he scored a couple, but he was. I think it was just he was nowhere near what what the game had made him. I think it's a shame. That was quite a big lesson, wasn't it, in terms of the database? Um, yeah, I mean that that's interesting because that was a, so. I think it was around that time that we probably started to to realise that we had to do something about this, <laughs> and we started to put systems in place to try to make sure that the data didn't you know the data didn't get through. There was there was a there was I think there was a system in place to make sure that the players would not be excessively talented in comparison to the reputation of the team. Right. Wow. And so we had there was a, there was almost like a kind of yeah sanity checking going on because of course yeah these uh, yeah it's fun of course when you have these players come from nowhere and so on but at the end of the day if you're trying to create a simulation you, you do you do want the league tables to look reasonably sane. So I think that's when we started to get, you know, to, to realise that the data, the data, you couldn't just trust people to hand over objective ratings. Thousands of, well, hundreds of people would go away and have different ways of rating a player and different scales. So yeah. Yeah. we started um, developing sanity checking systems, which uh, we ended up getting, well, I ended up getting very obsessive about and still am um, in terms of attributes and accountability and all that sort of stuff but I think it's actually quite important it was quite important it was almost like we had to grow up a little bit ah, but the thing is as well when you do those, those stats and things it's a snapshot in time so you know player X could be rated really really highly and then he could you know snap a hamstring the next day he's out for three months and all of a sudden he, he's no longer that good but you kind of build that in because it's just something that's happened so mm. you know it's uh, it's never going to be perfect no um, so after Chapman 3 we moved to Chapman 4 Um now this was delayed quite considerably, I think. To uh, I saw Mark Duffy holding his hands about this on Twitter. Was, I think it was about this. Am I right in saying he walled up the play histories on this, so the, the, the released game had had no? Oh, I mean, that was probably one of about fifty horrible problems. <laughs> um, Mark Duffy's is uh, not to blame for this. It was uh, we we basically got ourselves into a position where we had to release a game before it was ready. A week. Ah, right. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it was. It was all. It, it was Idos by then, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The whole thing was an absolute shit show, and <laughs> the, it's the worst thing we've ever done. Oh wow! And um, we spent quite a long time. Was that the one? Was that the one we got on BBC Watchdog about? Yes, it was. <laughs> um, was yeah. it actually? Yeah, it must have been. Yeah, it can't be. I mean, surely it must have been. Simple. Maybe it wasn't. Yeah, that. Yet. That was really odd because you know that was that was obviously you don't want to be on BBC Watchdog, no. but you know that's, no. it's not a good sign of your business. No, I'm there. not sure actually. Um, I think we, that might have been. You CM4. saw a sales increase. <laughs> I'm not sure if that was CM4. That's what you saw a sales increase after that. No, that was the funniest thing because yeah. we we dealt with whatever the problem was, patched it, and we were able to put up on the screen um, on you know live national television that um, <laughs> we fixed it and this is where you can download it. So it produced it acted as a perfect. Bit of free advertising on the beep, so prime time BBC. Sure. That wasn't CM4. Yeah, was that CM3? Okay, oh, well, our history's a bit more checkered then, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> no CM4. See, see, that was yeah. The, the watchdog thing I thought was a bit harsh, but the um, CM4 was an absolute shambles. It, um, it did include the 2D match engine, though. It did, but I mean that was the problem. We were trying basically. We were, we we completely underestimated how long it would take to do something. Right. And I think that there was considerations that beyond the artistic. Um, in terms of IDOS and our contract with IDOS that made it very difficult to say, well, we need another year. I think if we'd right. done that, they'd have, they'd have basically taken it off us. 
and giving it to someone else. Oh, wow. So, yeah, we'll never know. But um, we, 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 we'd agreed we'd agreed to do something, and we have delivered. And yeah. I'll, ultimately, it's kind of on us, but we, we, we it is on us. We, we miscalculated um, horrendously how long it would take. We tried to rewrite something when we, maybe we we shouldn't, or, or maybe we should have just uh, allowed more time. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess that was our low point for sure in in terms of development processes and all the rest of it and i think after that we had to really seriously think well okay are we going to be like a professional games developer or are we just going to carry on being a sort of bedroom programmers um collective or something you know yeah. i don't know so yeah. I, I think that that was a point at which we had we had to seriously improve and, and get people in who could help us improve and we overreached ourselves basically so you know i mean what we should obviously we should, what we should have happened is there should have been another couple of cm3 iterations hmm. but i don't think we had the manpower to do that while creating cm4 so we kind of got ourselves to that really difficult kind of growing pain type situation yeah we just we just couldn't handle it basically and uh we we cocked up that game but we did i think we we did in the end manage to rectify it just about and you know i mean cm4 is essentially what everything's built on with the 2d engine since then so yeah. I still use the 2D engine now. That might be down yeah, to my graphics yeah. card, but it's it's <laughs> it, it's just it, it's so much more fun to watch the little dots running around for me. <laughs> I use it coding a lot. You know, probably 50% of my time I use the 2D engine when oh, I'm right. fixing stuff. It's it's great. It's an overview, isn't it? You know, it's yeah. an objective. It's not you don't you know you don't. Yeah, it's 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 a very objective overview. I like it. How was the uh, the 2D pitch received? Was it generally seen as a as a good move, or was a lot of purists saying, "Oh, we just want text." <laughs> Which you give you give them the option to do anyway, but um, yeah, I mean, I think I think we were slightly dubious as well, weren't we? Of you know, because we were always yeah, worried the, about this the, imagination thing. It was resistance, but I, yeah, I think we thought it would um, take you know, you, you'd you'd end up seeing something that was worse than what you were previously imagining. It was almost like um, we could get away with it up until then. It was like okay, if, if the text says you know somebody rises at the far post. Heads it back across. Got you. You know you can sort of picture it in in really good 3D in your head. So I think the danger was that once you start portraying anything graphical, that that would then take over and it would be somehow lesser than what you were imagining before. But I don't. I don't think in the end. I think it 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 worked better in other ways because you could get a better tactical overview of what was happening. You could see who was out of position. Um, so there was a lot of pluses about having the the 2D in there. I think there was resistance, but it wasn't. Because you had the option to turn it off, I don't think it was, you know, terminal yeah. for some people. Yeah. I think it was also the first time you could um, you could watch the full ninety as well. I, I wouldn't say it was kind of at real pace. Obviously, you could speed it up a bit, but you could literally you could sit for ninety minutes and watch these two D dots. Which <laughs> uh, I'm sure I people have done for cup finals. Well, I remember there was a magazine that was that was it was like a selling point for them. It was like it was the first time you could you could you know. We encourage you to watch everything that happens. So you know how, what your team's doing well at, not doing well at. And I thought, well, that's lovely, but I don't want to be one play one game a week. <laughs> that's, that's how Bielsa plays the game. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So um, this was the final version of Championship Managers we know today. Um, it would go on to be Football Manager. Uh, at what point did you know this was the last Championship Manager? Um, that's a good question. I mean, that was a, a complicated process which we can't really talk about. 
much. Is that right, Paul? No, we're not. I'll get in awful trouble with Miles if, if he finds out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we... FM thing. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, we basically, I think we, I think the classic phrase that we've always, we always came out with at the time where we had musical um, and they wanted to do things this way, we wanted to do them another way, so it was best for all concerned to go our separate ways. Right. And to be the fair, timings to, to of, Nidos, just, they were convinced you know, that they could do it better anyway, so they were happy. So. Yeah, 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 they didn't want, you know, us there annoying them and Hold, you know, holding them back, and so it's, and to be fair, it was a very inter- it was a very interesting point for somebody observing that because it was it was a sort of test of what is the most important. Is it the, the game or or is it the the logo or the name or whatever? So it was a I think from an industry perspective, it was quite interesting, but we can't really go into that unfortunately. No, that's 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 fair enough. We're not going to don't get anyone in trouble. Um, so in terms of the history, obviously you became football manager. Um, the, the Championship Manager Series did continue for a couple of years, but it was uh, very different. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, don't ever buy a Championship Manager 5. If you are listening now, it's uh, not worth your time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I guess the only question I really wanted to ask about the split is, are you at all kind of disappointed that the Championship Manager name is, is now lost after you've you know, spent so many years building it up? Or does it not really matter because you know, Football Manager is it's gone from strength to strength anyway, so it, you know, the name's a name. <laughs> I mean, I suppose in an ideal world, it would have been one one game all the way through. But no, it's it's a long time ago now. You know, you're talking 13, 13 years or something, fourteen years yeah. since we released the first FM. So, you know, it's it's not something we we really think about it. It's it, it's part of the story. It's, it's that's, that's all it is. Um, we just you know, I, yeah. As I say, ideally, maybe we would have had the same game all the way through, but. It wasn't to be, and we're happy where we are. Good stuff. Um, in terms of Football Manager, uh, we'll, not, we'll not go through the Football Manager series. We'll, we'll, we'll leave that for a Football Manager podcast somewhere else to do. But um, <laughs> where, where do you see the, the series heading next, if it can go anywhere else above where it is now? Or, or do you think it's mm. you know, where it is now is kind of maybe as good as it'll ever get? Or do you think there's, there's further place it can explore? So that's a good question. Of course, we, we've we've obviously tried to take it online, mm. and oh, I love that um, version. That was of that was of's baby. Oh, uh, thank you for I that. Was, I was the, uh, you know, I was obviously right doing the match engine for FML, and obviously it was the same match engine. Um, that that was uh, well, we both. I, I, I'll let off speak about it, but for me, I was really really disappointed that it didn't work out. Yeah, I was in there from day you, one till day, the last day. You think things are toxic over one-on-ones? With, <laughs> no, well, you probably do have an idea yeah. if you remember FML. Oh my yeah. God, the match, the match engine coder for FML. <laughs> totally different story, but it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it was so exciting. I've made friends from that game that I still talk to now. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was mental, wasn't it? it was, mm. The whole thing was just completely intense. Yeah, but uh, I'll let off. Well, it was completely intense. Inten- it was so intense. I mean, I think it was. Funnily enough, what what were the people who liked to see as its assets were also its biggest flaws, and that that was it was a very um, player versus player environment. It was mm. that was literally all it was. Um, so you had this kind of direct sort of communication with your opponent and, and arranging matches and catch up matches and all the rest of it. And mm. but at the same time, that was unsustainable because half the people are obviously going to lose and charging yeah. people subscriptions is hard enough at the best of the time but 
um, when they're sort of being paid to log in and see how many they've lost or catch up matches and lose. And, and I think it was, I, I always compare it to like a, the heart, a radioactive half-life. You, you know, you start off with a thousand users <laughs> in the world and then a few weeks, few weeks later you got 500 because the other ones are so pissed off that they're not doing very well. And then, <laughs> then you get left with 500, but then half of those ones lose, of course. So you end up, you know, the, the logical conclusion is you end, end up with one one winner. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, one, one person's subscription wasn't enough to sustain it. So, um, but that that's the the biggest flaw. You know, I think it needed a, it obviously needed a much bigger player versus environment, as it's called, isn't it? Um, um, aspect to it. you needed to sort of be able to train your team and get some results on the board, and um, it would have been a different game. But I think I. I, I Totally screwed up in overlooking that aspect. I, I went. I was going for this totally idealistic, pure, pure sort of um, game where everyone was real. And but, like I say, it, I think that's what the people who did like it liked about it. Yeah, it was definitely. the purest. It was the purest form of, uh, of of how can I put this? It was the purest form format. It was the purest format for our for our game and our engine. In fact, in, in the sense that it was, it, you know, there was, it was everybody was like, was being able to, you know, use the tactical exploits, whatever, you know, it was, it was total, totally level playing field. Yeah. Like, but of course, it didn't work out that way because obviously some people were better than others. But it was, it, it was amazing. I thought it was, it was absolutely amazing. I could play, I would play that game. I, yeah. I find it hard to play the game now because it's, you know, I don't necessarily have the time, and so on. But that game was, um, but it was, yeah, it was, it was probably too good to be true. Yeah, if it was like a dream, sometimes that it, that it happened and it that just it disappeared. Happened, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I always like think, can we ever bring it back? You know. Oh, oh. It, but, uh... I mean, you've got a lot of facilities it, where you can. Do it, it has a place in this street. Yeah. 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 So, sorry, God. No, so I was going to say you've got like the facilities now to do like the drafts and things online, and that's mm. kind of similar, but no, it'll never be the same. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that. Yeah, you'd think that the online. I don't know. I, you know, I don't really know. I'm not that. My maybe my ears aren't close enough to the ground. I mean, how how popular are the kind of clans and so on and online gaming for, you know, of FM now? I, I think a lot of what I say is that the joy the joy in the game is still building a team up and you know taking taking from wherever they are to wherever you want to be. Whereas yeah. you know yeah. a draft kind of thing, there's a guy sitting next to at work who we did a draft with one day because we said it'd be fun. We did yeah. it once or twice, and then you know it was it was good, but it's not the same yeah. as having a save. Um, and I guess there's only so much so much time to go around, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we played it. I was involved in a network game many years ago on this engine, and that was you know that was playing the real game. But everyone, it was like a kind of the net, you know, the version, what you, the thing where people just basically play in the say they played a game, but they just managing different teams or they're using different PCs, you know, the network game. Yeah. Like. Yeah. And it was there was so much potential, but of course the problem always was if someone decided to pause their match then uh, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, I think that we could have worked around that. I still I think I still think there's a potential for creating a better kind of multiplayer version of the of the, the real game world if you like. But um I don't know, I mean people aren't asking for it. Yeah. No, I guess. I mean, see, we still play CMA one or two online now. Um, yeah. There's still a, a market for it as such. As you say, the, the, the current game now is uh, so in depth. You know, you're kind of waiting an hour for someone to set their training schedules, which <laughs> yeah. it's not not really much of an interactive game then, as you say. So yeah, I mean, I think uh, you could you could definitely design around that if you had, if you had the will. I mean, you could obviously, so, you know, you you wouldn't you could have a thing where people aren't necessarily able to do that in the online version. 
yeah you know mess with their training schedules or whatever and they actually there is a there is a way there is a way for them to do that but in their own time if you like yes. and then upload it in or something along those lines i don't know and you know when you're actually all logged in isn't it in a certain mode and it must you know things will continue automatically if you're not done and so on so you could i think you could you could design around it but um, and the other thing of course is all the tv matches that makes it a real pain in the ass because someone's got a 12 30 and <laughs> you'd have to get rid of all that sort of stuff well there was a little box you could tick that would take everyone on the same fixture game uh, fixture day which was great yeah. unless you unless you were on the thursday night europa league slot and you were playing thursday saturday and your squad was yeah, not yeah. good <laughs> all the european games on a wednesday uh, but, yeah i think you could design something um, I'm not sure if that's where people really want to take it. The mass market. I, mean, I suppose you know it's a it's a big it's a big product, isn't it? You know, and it's it's people's living. People are making a li- you know a living off it. We're employing a lot of people, and we can't be indulgent. You know, we have to at the end of the day look after that. And I don't necessarily think that's the that's the priority for the mass market. But personally, I'd go back to FML. I think now with esports and the, the explosion of Twitter and social media, it would have a bigger player base now possibly mm-hmm. it could I think it's something that will we'll, yeah it'll definitely get revisited oh great <laughs> you never know when alright so if you don't mind we'll, we'll finish with a couple of uh, a couple of questions people have sent in um, you, you, some of these go back a while so don't, if you don't know that, that's absolutely fine um, in the early chat managers when you finish a season it goes through a process of shortlisting teams so it flashes <laughs> them all up one after one um, <laughs> yeah is there any sort of order to them? Like, is it like best to worst, or is it? Was it? It seemed to have some sort of correlation. Like the best clubs were at the top, but uh, we always used to argue with what it meant. Like, was it richest? Was it best? Was it? Can you remember off? Um, that's a good question. Um, I would imagine it would have been random, because I think yeah. probably we would have wanted to not bias any particular team. I think the way the shortlisting would would work would. Um, Random would have been best. I think if you did it in a in a any defined order, you'd favour some teams over others, probably. Unfortunately, I can't check. Oh, that's, that's, code that's, that's, since disappeared. That's, that's, <laughs> it was a long time ago. So <laughs> must be a disc lying around. Well, I, that's funny. I had a disc lying around, and it had um, like CM1 source code wow. written on it, or something like that. And it was like fascinating. And I, and I took it into the office, thinking this would be cool. And the and I think now, if you I go at the time, you said. Uh, tried it on various devices he had it was like an old three and a half inch disc or something one of, or one of those little ones that you used to have on the the atari sts or amigas or whatever one of those kind of style um and he said no it's completely empty he said this is just so old that it's just gone oh. <laughs> that's a bit sad yeah. all right then uh the next one is if you could go back and do anything differently at any point during your time uh what would it be hmm it's a nice open-ended question. <laughs> it has to go back to the CM4 thing, I think. I think CM4, we'd have, we'd have delayed CM4 and bought ourselves time. Yeah. Well, that's my answer, anyway. Oh, I that's fair. Um, I'm actually just reading the question. We've actually asked most of these we've gone through. Did you make everything good on purpose? No. <laughs> um, how were the researchers verified in the early versions? Well, kind of weren't, but... <laughs> Uh, and any famous CM players you've had run-ins with, but it doesn't sound like you've had too many. No, we let Miles do the run-ins. <laughs> when, when did um, when did Miles come on board? Roughly. That's a good question. Yeah. Oh, was it CM three? Um. 
Yes, it would have been. Was it same thing? He was doing the, the data for Watford originally. He did something um, for CM2, yeah. but he, yeah, he offered to coming on board and, and sorting yeah. us out. Yeah, I think it's listed as yeah. on uh, on eight seven didn't know when he kind of joined the joined the, the company properly, as it were. Yeah, I mean, he he became sort of more and more involved, and then um, you know it became apparent we needed some help in terms of managing the business side of it. Um, which the sort of help that would have maybe not led to us getting into the the mess we got into with CM4. So he came in and gradually we sort of you know I, I suppose allowed him to to take on more and more of the company and um, that's probably the the second best thing we ever did. If the first one was inventing the game um, in the first place, then I'd say the second best thing was probably hiring Mike because yeah. he's he's taken what was um, a pretty, you know, a good, a good simulation, a small team, um, but a little bit erratic with our development and probably would have had limited um, sales, I guess, um, li limited scope for, for becoming a really huge um, game. I and mean, he's taken that and, and turned it into, a, you know, a, a studio where we have over you know, 150 people maybe working and working passionately on... On, on this game and, and you know in a really really well streamlined fashion so I, I, I'd say that yeah the hiring miles was huge nice yeah he does a good job really on uh, on Twitter he's got a thankless task of everyone uh, yeah uh, everyone I wouldn't say everyone shouting at him but he has a lot of people to try and to try and pacify because um, you know of the popularity of the game um, but he does a good job I think yeah I don't. I don't know how he does it. Honestly, I don't know oh. how he puts up with it. It's um, his I, mentions I, must be a nightmare every day. I mean, I I, I try to keep a very low profile because I like Twitter, but I do. I try to separate the the game from the uh, from myself as yeah. much as possible because I've seen the shit that you get. Yeah, and it's just it's horrendous. You know, people are assholes on it on the internet. That's how it is. But it's not face to face, so people yeah. take liberties. But he he's amazing the way he puts up with it and okay yeah it means that i'm getting uh i'm getting in the air about one-on-ones but you know i'm not getting <laughs> death threats on twitter so yeah. <laughs> um the very last question here and this is as niche as it's going to get is um did anyone ever win the hundred grand and i think there must have been an, like an insert in one of the games it must have been one of the champman twos which was like a uh you can enter to win a hundred thousand pounds and we think that anyone who won that would probably like be talking about it somewhere, but we we, we can't own this winner. Well, it, well, what was the prize for? Was it just a, just a lottery or something? Or I think it was. Yeah, basically, I think you just had to send your name and address, or like a you know, like it used to be like a stamp address envelope back in the day. Um, what game was this? I think it was Chapman Two. Um, it's either ninety six, ninety seven, and hundred thousand pounds. Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> we made a hundred thousand pounds. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I'll um I'll try and dig out the the, um, the advert and send it across to you because uh, it was a it was a thing. I, I don't know if it was like a sports interactive prize or whether it was just a, a maybe maybe Edos for it. I don't know. But that's um, incredible. Yeah, but I say like we we'd like to think if someone won a hundred grand from the game, they would they'd have been bragging about it by now. But yeah, I certainly would. Oh well, never mind. <laughs> wow. Uh, Ross, is there anything you want you want to ask that I've missed? Uh, no, I've got my thought manager live questions in there. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Oh, good. <laughs> um, well, Paul, I'll, again, thanks for, so much for, uh, for taking your time out to talk to us. I've, uh, I've loved it. It's been, uh, it's satisfied all my nerdy needs. So, yeah, thank well, you. Very pleasure. Much. <laughs> it's been uh, a pleasure. Our pleasure. Brilliant. Absolute pleasure. Good luck.
Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Podcast. And if you want to talk about anything else, then just give us a shout. So thanks to Paul Oliver. That was really interesting insight into the history of Championship Manager. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, Ross and I will be back very soon with the, uh, with the next episode in the series. Um, until then, always remember to keep your champ man on the post.